1: Christ returns, the defining and distinguishing feature of those who belong to him will be the kindness shown to the least of these in the name of Jesus
0: and for the glory of God. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
1: So, as this story focuses on the birth of Jesus, we're reminded at the end of these seven verses that it came to the place that Jesus needed a place to be born, and there was no place for him. Isn't it interesting? We've concocted a lot of stories and in our manger scenes and in our nativity depictions, we even have the innkeeper, but he's not mentioned here. All we know is there was no room for Jesus in the inn. And it makes me think about my life as I enter into the Christmas season. Have I made room for Jesus? It makes me think about your life, by the way. Are you making room for Jesus. So, our, our central truth is that in this crazy and chaotic and crowded world, all it takes is a small act of kindness to make a big and a lasting impact. But I, I'm not sure you can do that if you're not making room for Jesus. But that night, there's one who did. We don't know his name, but he gave his cave, we assume. Not an elaborate room, not a nice crib, but a cave, a stable as we think of it, a place where the animals were kept out of the rain and away from the bandits. The same would be true for Mary and Joseph that evening, a simple place. And I hear that, and I'm just reminded that God never has been about our ability. He's always been concerned with our availability. He's never focused on all the things that you have. He just wants you to focus on Him with what you have. Yeah, it should be simple, but it's not. Kindness, being focused on others, it makes not only our lives, it makes the world a better place. It embodies the life and the message that comes through the birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. It takes our focus off ourself and the selfishness that consumes us. In a world of takers, it makes you a giver. It should be easy to be kind, but it's not. So, we're told that there was no room for him in the end. I want you to understand something in this passage today. When we choose to make space for Jesus... When we make space for his grace in our lives, he uses us to touch others and to demonstrate his love in practical ways that carry on the truth of the gospel message. In other words, when we act out in kindness, kindness causes us to say there is room to those whom others say there is no room. The Bible calls them the least of these. You've heard that phrase before, right? The least of these. Do You know where it comes from? Now, I just want to remind you because some of you are new. When you're asked a question in church, and if you don't know the answer, there's a good chance you can guess. So for those of you that have been around a little bit, I'm going to ask the question again and let you show them how it works because you failed that test as well. So, this phrase, the least of these, do you know where it comes from? Right. It comes from the words of Jesus. In Matthew 25, Jesus is telling this story, and it's really intriguing. Listen to it in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Now, I've got to stop there because I want to remind you of a spiritual doctrine that we believe in our church. Just as we believe that Jesus is God entered this world as a man in human flesh, just as we believe that's a true story, we also believe that Jesus is coming again. And that's significant because if I follow Christ and I believe Jesus is coming again, that's going to make a difference as to how I live because I'm going to begin to understand, oh, One day I may stand before him. Like we said a moment ago, one day I may be counted. In fact, why don't you just say that with me? Say, Jesus is coming again. again. He is. Look at verse 32. Before him will be gathered all the nations. I love that too, especially in our church. I love the reminder that our God is a God of the nations. His love story always has been, always will be for everybody, everywhere. He will gather all the nations and he'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Some of you know that passage goes on to describe those that the king cast away. But I want you to stop and think about something for a second. Here's a truth I want you to grasp. When Christ returns, the defining and distinguishing feature of those who belong to him will be the kindness shown to the least of these in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. When Christ returns, the distinguishing feature, the thing that defines us, as children of God, as followers of Christ, will not be how many times we sat in a big box like this. It will not be the songs that we learned and preferred to sing. It will not be the clothes that we wore to church. When we stand before God, when Jesus returns, the thing that sets his tribe apart from everybody else will be how they dealt with those that society calls The least of these so how do we live our lives intent on showing that kind of kindness i'm going to give you three simple ways this may be the most practical message you'll ever hear here's the first way we look for those that others do not see we look for those that others do not see To most, in Bethlehem, Joseph and his pregnant teenage wife were simply faces in the crowd. But to one unnamed person, they saw them. Do you see the people that no one else sees? Maybe it's better to ask this. Do you see people as God sees people? One of my favorite teaching times in recent months was when we walked through the story of the Good Samaritan. And I taught you a biblical flow of how to live in life. I I taught you that when we understand who we are, that affects what we see. In other words, if my identity is in Christ, if if he's the most important thing to me, if he's my priority, I'm going to see everything I see through the filter and the grace lens of Jesus. And what I see isn't going to affect what I feel. So if I'm seeing things through the, filter of jesus that i'm going to fill the things that jesus filled. i'm going to be moved as he was moved. remember the story of jesus as he stood on the mount of olives looking over jerusalem and the bible says he was moved with compassion if you've heard that preached or taught before you've heard that the word that is used there in the language that it was written in literally means a guttural filling so we can relate to that right You've gotten that phone call or or something's happened, you've been scared, and you just get that pit in your stomach. You get that feeling in your gut. Your emotion so overwhelms you that you feel it here. Can everybody relate to that? Everybody's had something that caused you to do that? Well, that's what Jesus experienced when he looked over Jerusalem and felt compassion for the people there. Do you ever feel that way over other people? You see, when I feel the way Jesus felt, then I do the things Jesus did. So when I see what Jesus sees and feel the way that Jesus felt, I begin to do things that make a difference in my life. But it all begins with seeing the people God wants us to see. So here's your first question. Who are the people in your little corner of the world that Jesus would call the least of these? Who are the people you ride by and walk by and work with and sit in class with that you're not seeing? Could it be the homeless or the hungry or the sick or the imprisoned or the poor or the orphaned or the addicted or the outcast? Are the trafficked? Are the widowed? Are the lost? maybe like your're one, that one person you're praying for? Your first application before we prepare to leave today is to ask this question: Am I seeing as Jesus sees? And if not, take a moment today and ask God to help you see others as Jesus sees. But let me give you a second thing. I believe when we understand the truth of the gospel, we'll begin to care about those that others don't care about. Truth is, most people today don't care about anyone except number one. Most people just care about themselves, right? We live in a world that's filled with selfishness. And self-promotion. We're concerned with platforms. And putting ourselves out there. Most of us don't care about others. But Jesus did. In fact, say that word with me. Say others. Now listen to Philippians chapter 2. In verse 4 it says, Let each of you not only look to his own desires, desires or interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus By his incarnation. Incarnation is a word that means God incarnate. God become flesh. Jesus in his incarnation demonstrate that he's interested in others. When Jesus is incarnate in us, we necessarily become interested in others. And when you're focused on others, their situations, their circumstances... Was able to make a quick trip to South Carolina. Some of you know, my dad has had what seems to be, apart from a miracle of God, an irreparable brain bleed that's affected him and certainly will ultimately take his life. And um, so there were some sweet moments. There were some very sad moments. But in one of the moments, my dad was getting a little agitated, and all of our family. I mean, we took everybody. Uh, There We got seven in the Purvis pack, and we even took our two dogs just to make it exciting. I was afraid he was getting a little anxious, and so I said something to someone there at the rehab that's like a nursing home. They just shook their heads and said, oh, no, don't you dare leave. You don't know how many people are residents in this nursing facility that never have a visitor. They have children that live in this town, some of them multiple ones. And they never come by and and touch them with love. See, what happens as we go through life, if we're not careful, we become hardened. We maybe feel like we can't make a difference. We can't do everything we'd like to do or we can't change a situation. And so we become hardened and we drive by that person on the street. Or we look at that person who's struggling with an addiction or who has made lifestyle choices that we know are wrong. And rather than loving them with the love of God, we condemn them and judge them and look down on them and harden our hearts toward them. And, And that's not the Jesus way. And so I would challenge you today. Not only as you prepare to leave this place, ask God to help you to see others as he sees others. Help him to feel what he feels. Ask God to break your heart for the things that break his. Ask God to move you and stir you in the way that he is moved and stirred. Ask God to tenderize your heart this Christmas. But here's where it gets real practical. Because remember, we said we have to see what he sees. We have to feel what he feels. But then we have to what? Do. Sometimes we have to do something. Do something that no one else is doing. Everybody say do something. Boy, that's so important. You know what we have to do to have a relationship with God? Nothing. Isn't that cool? You don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all. But once you have that relationship with God, we live that out. By doing things in his name and for his glory. See, here's what I think. I think that night in Bethlehem, there were a lot of people that saw Mary and Joseph. This was a little teenage girl that was about to burst. It was a small town. They were probably shaking their heads. If it was southern Bethlehem, they were saying, bless her heart. They saw her. Some of them may even felt something. Maybe the real religious people said we should be praying for them. They might have felt something. But to the best of our knowledge, there's only one who did something. So I want to ask you this. What are you doing to make a difference? What are you doing showing acts of kindness, even small acts of kindness, that make a big and lasting impact? At the end of the day, we have to ask, does what we see and how we feel affect what we do? Does what we experience in the big box, in a room like this, does it make a difference out there? Or are we just the same? What are you doing in Jesus' name for the glory of God? Well, I can't ask you that without helping you think through it. So I'm going to help you out. So I hope you're taking notes, whether it's with your thumbs on your electronic device, or whether you've got a pen, pencil, lipstick, Crayola, mascara, and a piece of paper. And think about these ways you can do something. Say do something. Like this. You know you could visit a jail. Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me. When's the last time you visited a jail? What do I do? Well, we've got some folks in this room that work in jails. They would say one of the things you could do is pray for those folks because a lot of them need it. And maybe a word of love and encouragement. Some will receive it, some won't, but you could do it. Did you know you could make a care bag for a homeless person? There's no one in this room that doesn't have the ability to do that. Take a plastic bag. If you can't afford a Ziploc bag, use one of your old grocery bags. Take a plastic bag and maybe buy some buy one, get one free crackers or some buy one, get one free juice boxes and make some things that you put in there. Buy one, get one free toothpaste and toothbrush and just make a care package. Some of you are saying, well, they'll just throw it down. Some of them will, but for some of them, It will be the only nourishment and the only love and care that they get. And you're doing it for Jesus. Why? See, this story in Luke 2 and Matthew 25 are related. When Jesus was born, he was born as one of the least of these. Jesus was born as one of the least of these. He spent most of his life hanging out with the least of these. And guess what? When he died on the cross, he died between two criminals, two of the least of these in societies. Jesus embodied the least of these. That's why he would say, hey, when you fed the poor, when you visited the imprisoned, when you cared for the sick, when you clothed the naked, when you gave water to the thirsty, you were doing it not just to the least of these, you were doing it to me. That's the Jesus way. So how about it? In this chaotic and crazy crowded world, would you ask God to help you demonstrate his love in practical ways? with simple acts of kindness that could have big and lasting impact. See, when you understand who Jesus is, you understand the importance of seeing and caring and doing for the least of these. Celebrate Christmas in the least likely places. Look in your little corner of the world. And see who God wants you to demonstrate his love to. No strings attached. Take the opportunities you have for gospel conversations. But if not, just do it in Jesus' name. And do it for his glory. And why should you? You should because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ... God loved you when you were one of the least of these. Is there anybody else who would agree with me? I'm so thankful that everybody doesn't know me like God knows me. Yeah. See, God God knows how much we need him. We gather in places like this and, and we can kind of downplay that. We can dress ourselves up. We can put on the nice language. But God knows that every one of us are in desperate need of him. That's why it says in Romans 5.8 that God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died. Do You get that? God loved you when you were just one of the least of these. That's the gospel. Let me make sure you understand that, then I'm going to pray with you. The Bible says that every one of us are born sinners. That's not something we do. It's who we are. It's our DNA. We're born in the least of these, and that has consequences. If it's left undealt with, it's going to separate us from God, which means here on this side of heaven, we'll miss out on God's best. We want to experience the fulfillment of life that he promises. And it means that when we die we'll experience the punishment that we deserve for our sin. The Bible calls that death and it calls it a place called hell. But God doesn't want that. That's why we have that verse. That's why I told you all of God's story is a love story for everybody, everywhere. God wants all people. All of the least of
0: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhill.org. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support